The Tea Health Show, the medical lifestyle show. Good morning. This is Chris Avon Smith, and this is the Tea Health Show in studio. With me, I have the wonderful, the stunning, the beautiful Dr. Mark. And Good morning, Chris. Hello, and with us today, we've got an old friend of mine, wonderful, wonderful Daniel Greenslade, clinical psychologist. Welcome. Thanks, Chris. Awesome to be here. You know, it's always fun to talk to you head guys. You know. <laughs> Today we're going to be talking about depression, specifically in teenagers. Give us an overview, Dan. Of depression specifically? I think or? depression specifically, but, but I mean, I, I think, it, and, and I, I mean, your practice, I know, is, is very uh, teenage focused for the, for the main part, or, or has been for a, a, a while. Teenagers and adults, yeah. Teenage. You're not a kiddie psychologist? No. <laughs> Good. Okay. That's a so, whole different skill set, which, uh, yes, I'm, there are people far better at kiddies than I am. <laughs> Always a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, so give us, so give us a, a, a sort of what, what can we look at or, or talk about depression? What is mm. depression? Let's start with that. Let me essentially depression is a neurological illness. No, right. It's not just as a lot of people saying you think like oh no you're just feeling a bit down it's all in your head it's actually a neurological illness you know it's so there's actually factors causing it many it? factors yeah. right um it can be anything from purely biological which can be genetically based it can be triggered via um, environmental factors but essentially it is your neurotransmitter levels in your brain are not where they should be um daniel um, help me if I'm wrong. There's evidence that's starting to point to not only that it's a, a disease of neurotransmitters, mm. but that it's an actual disease of the neurons themselves. Well, they're all tied together, yes, yeah. because the neurons so, are responsible for yeah. the release and the um, collection of the neurotransmitters. And if they're not doing their job, yeah. then... We always, we always said that it's a chemical imbalance that's in the brain. Um, and, but there's evidence that, that's starting to come to the forefront. And the reason we, we, we know about this, um, is, um, we had, um, Dr. Jody Price with us on the show yeah. the one day, Chris, um, uh, a neurologist. Mm. And, um, it's, it's starting to, um, Become uh, clear that the neurons actually are defective, um, and in that, the functioning of um, producing neurotransmitters are hampered. Yeah, very much so. And depending on what neurons and where, depends on which neurotransmitters are affected. Exactly. Okay, so so it's a neurological disease. I mean, we. Or, or, or there's the neurological cofactors with that. Yeah, and that's why it's far more than just uh, I've got a low mood. Yeah, I mean when we look at depression, when we look at diagnosing it, we look at everything to do with the person. So we look at appetite, changes in appetite. We look at sleeping patterns. We look at memory and concentration, and you know specifically within memory where. Is, are you finding subjectively your memory is 
battling because that also right. gives an indication of what neurotransmitters are involved. Um, we look at your energy levels. We look at your libido. We look at your enjoyment of things. You know, it's, it's not just mood because if the neurotransmitters in our brains don't just regulate our mood, yeah. they regulate everything. So, so if they're not working for one thing, they're not going to be doing their job to assist with many other factors and things that our brain needs them for. Daniel, I think when when you're there, let's let's talk about signs, uh, early signs of depression. You know, how do we how do we recognize this in ourselves, and how do we recognize this in people around us? Well, I mean, in ourselves would be firstly changes in all the things I've just said. You know, mostly we all the things know that we that mm. was important to me. That I used to like That is changing uh, Am I right? Yes Yeah Okay Because so, you know yourself and, and what is normal for you Now We are sitting in a situation again um, And we, I think we In our previous shows on, on, on different platforms We've we've almost done this to death But you know We wanted you to come back onto this show Because Yet again We're facing um, Unprecedented Times yeah. where what was normal is l- no longer. Um, so let's talk about it in teenagers. Um, the kids that are facing grade 12. Last year was an uh, absolute, absolute disaster, I oh, think, yeah. for, mm. for our learners mm. um, from a, from a psychological perspective, the changes that they went through. If we can help prepare them now, what do we look out for? Warning signs for for these kids. I would say specifically in teenagers, you know, you the problem with trying to diagnose sort of depression in teenagers is what is normal teenage behavior, which is, you know, you expect some antisocial behavior, you expect some irritability, you expect, you know, all sorts of behavioral things mm. that Maybe depression, but maybe teenagers. Yeah. 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 And with teenagers, it's quite difficult to try and tease it out. Um, And parents tend to often err to either extreme, really, and either just, oh, no, they're being a teenager. No, your child is actually quite depressed. Or, oh, my child's depressed. They're doing this. They're doing that. No, your child's a teenager. Mm. They're fine. Well, you know what? So... uh, now, again, parents, a lot of parents are working from home, which is putting enough strain mm. on, on any household. Um, now the kids are at home for an extra month, which, you know, thank God I don't have them. Um, <laughs> uh, which, Three single men in the studio all going, thank goodness, actually. You know, it, which, which is, it's, it's hard enough. You know, it, the kids should yeah. have been back at school for two weeks or a week already. Oh, yeah. And they, they, they're sitting at home and, you know what, there's nothing for them to do. It's not safe for them to, to hang around with other people. Um, 
that will cause suppression in me. Yeah. And, I, and I think, sorry, the, the other aspects, and it's something that we often don't think about, we are living in times of huge uncertainty. Yeah, we, absolutely. We, we cannot yeah. say, okay, in a month's time, the kids are going to go back. On the 15th of February, they're all back at school. No, we can't say that. We can't say that with any certainty. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it could be another full year of homeschooling, lockdown, etc., etc. Yeah. I can't cope. Daniel, we'll have to take this offline and I'll, we'll have a chat if that's the case. <laughs> but so, so with all the uncertainty and kids, as I, I'm thinking not only of the matric students, I'm thinking of those going into grade eight now. Yeah, for the first it's time. It's such a fundamental time. They're in puberty. They are changing schools. They've, they've, you know, they, it's the they, exciting thing. I'm going to high school. I'm going to high school, but also, how do I fit in? How am I going to assimilate with my peers? Mm-hmm. How am I going to be perceived by them? All of that sort of thing comes to comes to the fore, you know. And they haven't had any. If you're in grade nine or ten, you've done that. You've been there. You've you've had you know that your sort friends. of You know the, exactly. what's happening. Exactly. You know who's in your class. Yeah, yeah. you know. No, so it's. I agree that uncertainty is going to very much affect our teenagers, I think. Especially those in the, the big years, like you say, grade eight and matric. Yeah. It's also You know what I I I think we have for younger learners, you know, my my sister's um children my niece is going to grade uh, five. What's standard, standard one? Three. Standard three. Oh you, okay. minus, you minus two. Okay, so great. Mm. Or plus two or something. Plus two, huh? Plus two. Plus two, yeah. No, no plus to get to grade to standard, you minus. Minus, yes. Great okay, so, so, oh, grade four. Standard Six. two. Yeah, standard two. Which is, a, which is a very big year, apparently, because now they're starting to rotate in classes. Mm. Um, and you're considered senior starting, prep? They're starting to write exams. Yeah. So, you know, it no longer is it play school. It's yeah. school. Um, so that's, a, that's a, apparently a very difficult year. Our, our final... Pre, our final years in primary school mm, and the then, grade sevens, um, the grade eights, absolutely. Grade eleven is just as difficult. This is the this is the year that they're going to most probably have to use to um, apply to get university. into varsity. Yeah. Yes, you know what. If, and if I know it's personally, anything. grade eleven was a much harder year for me than matric was. Oh, of course, of course. But I and and you know we we saying this and we we talking about it. And we're talking about it also from an adult perspective, and not from and, from and not, the young and not that from 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 a teenager's teenagers, perspective. Yeah. You know, I know I spoke to a teenager two days ago, who is quite happy that school's not opening for another month. No, con, no conception that actually this is their future. They're talking about. Yes, yeah. but not all of us have sweets in our pockets when we're talking to teenagers. <laughs> so <laughs> it's not sweets anymore. It's starter. <laughs> so. Um, what, what do we, what do we, how do we arm our parents? Because they need to, they need to identify this. Uh, mm. So one of the big things I found with a lot of my patients last year, and it was a, across the board, quite frankly, with all my teenagers, is Parents kind of went on the assumption that teenagers are able to plan, organize, and structure themselves. 
Right. Oh God. They do not, not have the neurological capability to do this. It requires a part of our brain that is not yet developed in them. I mean, that part of our brain, the frontal lobe, the prefrontal cortex, only finishes developing at 25 years old. Right. Okay, so, so stop. Hmm. Say that again. Teenagers are neurologically incapable of planning, structuring, and organizing themselves. Sure. That's a big statement, and we wonder why they can't take the coffee mug to the, the sink. Hmm. I just wondered how... The, how I went through school You know it because I'm still not able to do that <laughs> Well I mean if you think When we are in school You're sitting in class and a teacher is structuring Things for you You have a timetable that is structured There are bells telling you move from here to here There is a bell telling <laughs> you You can now come. break You know suddenly these kids are at home And a lot of Schools are doing like pre-recorded lessons So it's a thing of well the kid Needs to do his classes when and how he or she feels like doing it and i found that they're not doing it um you know what we had on the show last week dr melanie jacobs who's a educational specialist um and it's it's that whole thing the home environment as a schooling environment is not conducive to learning you no. have to set up um, a specific part in your house where, where children have this mm. um, so that structure can be there. And routine plays obviously a very Massive big role, role in this. Mm. Okay, so they can't structure themselves. What now? Well, that's where parents actually need to assist with that. And that's the difficulty now. Um, Chris, I know you said that some people are still working from home, but what I've found is a lot of parents are now at work and yes. the kids are home alone all day and are expected to do their schoolwork, expected to do this, do that, without actually having any oversight, essentially. And, I, I mean, the, the, given that they can't plan, etc. Mm. I mean, years and years ago, I remember my mother used to, Boast to her friends how well my sister used to study. She would go into her room, shut her door, and it would be silent, and she'd work. She had a hi-fi in there with headphones, and all she was doing was lying around listening to music. Hmm. You know, and and uh, but but that's a teenager. Yeah, you know, I mean that's that's what there, there's no consequence. We don't they don't really see the consequence of it yeah, when they're sitting at home. Last yeah. year's matrix. Yeah, yeah exactly. I'm still angry about that. Oh yeah, the rage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But anyway, that, I mean that's that's an, another story for we we all furious about that. I think in the studio, quite quite frankly. But okay, so let's just bring bring it back yeah. a, lit, a little bit. So we looking at depression. So we we're talking about the cofactors which could lead to a yes. depression. How do we Help parents identify it Because as you said uh, you, you know Teenagers can be sullen and withdrawn Until they're with their friends And then they're gregarious and outgoing Exactly, They can not eat Or overeat They can sleep their lives away Or not at all I mean <laughs> you just so There's the no basic, touchstones The basic principle I always follow with And speak to parents about is The change you know your teenager. You mm. know their sullenness, their withdrawn, their you know 
teenage boy who eats you out of house and home or a teenage girl who's, and I'm being stereotypical here, but a teenage girl who's trying to watch her figure so is eating healthily. And, you know, you know what your child is yeah. like. Yeah. And when there is now a change, that's when you pay attention. When your child is being more withdrawn than usual. Right. When your child's eating habits have changed. So your adolescent boy who's only eating quite a bit is now not. You know, okay. When they're looking a bit more lazy than usual or they're battling more in the morning to wake up, implying that they've kind of not gotten much sleep the night before. So either couldn't get to sleep or stayed up. Mm. It's looking at the changes. And then, yes, their mood. You know, if they're coming across more down and sullen than usual. Mm. I should imagine, you know, one of the indicating factors that you could really look at is their interaction with friends. So so mm. if that re- suddenly reduces dramatically, you know, they're not WhatsApping, they're not doing whatever, FaceTiming oh, their yeah. friends and that sort of thing. And and the the... the tone of any conversations that you may overhear is is more withdrawn it's not I, I suppose that would be quite a good indicator it would but that's quite hard to do unless you have access to your child's phone which sure but you to can, be fair every parent should have well they absolutely should have, but most don't yeah. but, but but i think the, the the point also is um but but you would know, you know, if children are sitting, if they're WhatsApping and, and the messages are coming and going relatively quickly and that sort of yes. thing, you know that there's a conversation happening. Yeah. But if it's just somebody playing a game sullenly in the corner, just, you, you know, that's an indicator. Yeah. No, it would definitely be. Because when they start to withdraw socially from their friends, mm. that's a problem. And yes, this last year has been quite difficult with that because you had kids who, yes, they are used to communicating on social media platforms, on WhatsApp, on Instagram, on whatever. And, but they were still seeing their friends face to face. And then last year, suddenly they weren't. And it was a big adaption process. And I think for a lot of people, the, you know, when school sort of started going back to some vague sense of new normalcy last year. And then I think a lot of of them were very excited this year to get back to a normal and yes. then suddenly that was taken away from them again. Yeah, yeah. You know? So, yes, I agree. Looking at their interactions with their with their friends, with their peers, with their classmates, and when that starts to go down, that's also a warning sign. I think um, sport used to play, a b- or, or sports or activities. Um, yeah, the extramurals. Yeah. yeah, a very big role in normalizing teenagers. Um, my assumption is that they again will not be organized sports, uh, I would guess and not, team no. sports, uh, this oh. year. Um, what do we, what do we advise for parents to do for these kids? Kids need to be active, but oh, it's yeah. also not safe to send them to, to gyms and stuff. I haven't been to one of the big gyms in, uh, lately. Um, well, for the past two years, I, you know, I'm lucky to have a private two years gym mean that with I the go last to. Fifty-five years, but that's um, <laughs> so. W- what do we do with f- to get these kids active? Mm. So I think that's where families need to come together and start doing things like f- family walks in the evenings mm. or in the mornings. You know, 
If my mother used to wake me up to go and walk with her in the morning, I would have shot myself. Um, so, so I say more evenings, like after work, that mm. when, okay, guys, get your shoes on, come, we're going for a walk, we're going to walk the dog, and you or actually... Cycle, if, or cycle, as a family, or as a cycle, cycle or, you know, um, if, you, if you can, but, but walk the dog. I mean, mm. that's, that's actually quite a, quite a good exercise, go and play with the dog in the park. Yeah, if your dogs are anything like mine, walking them is a chore because they're dragging you along. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I've so. got Jack Russells, they're tiny. <laughs> okay. Um we we not only faced with teenagers, you know. It, I think all of us face the same uncertainty. Uh, I think all of us have the same fear. If you if you have a, a family member or a close friend that's been uh, affected by COVID, um, I think you start questioning your own mortality. Mm. Sure, um, I know. I'm doing that at the moment. One of my best friends are currently uh, on a ventilator, um, and uh, he's stable. But you know what? This can change, and uh, you also have the dangers of people being on ventilators for long periods of time, and the stroking um, and all of that that happens. Yeah. So, yeah. all of us are living in fear. How do we? How do we help? Ourselves, you know, it, besides the fact that we need to identify this, yes, I think everyone at the moment is facing some form of anxiety or depression. What do we do about this? Medication is not the answer, I think, in this case. No, you know, not we for can't everyone. medicate no. the whole planet. Well, it would be nice if we could vaccinate know, the whole planet <laughs> or throw an SSRI in the water supply, but yes. um, no, we. And this is the importance of self-care, because I think that's been one of the big things that happened to a lot of people, um, I found even myself included last year, is you start letting your self-care slip. Mm. Does that mean not brushing your teeth? In extreme cases, yes. Okay. Um, You know. So self-care, unpack that. Well, looking after yourself on every level. Mm. So making sure that you're eating right, making sure that you're exercising, making sure that you're sleeping properly, making sure that you are socializing appropriately with your friends, you know, that you are maintaining normal as normal social contact as possible. Yeah, It's making sure that if you are having a bad day that you actually speak to a friend and you don't just withdraw and isolate yourself and not have an extra drink like i did last night yes okay yeah i think that's i think i think that's huge actually yes you know uh, except we're all running out now so it's terrifying it's it's subtle that you said that because immediately i start thinking you know what yeah, my behavior has has changed to almost a little bit more reckless. I can I can say in certain things. Hmm. Um, oh God, you know what? If I'm going out, let me go out with a bang, almost. And I might as well have that extra donut. Yeah, you know. Um, yeah. What What does it matter? I could be dead next week. Yeah. And, but but I th- I think that and I'm going to try and draw us back to our topic because when we, as a parent, if you've 
you know, we're just assuming that these parents are these all-knowing, all-seeing, all-wonderful people that will be able to identify their children's changing behavior and be able to identify that they potentially have a depression, etc. But what about themselves? You, you, yeah. you know, um, they're dealing with the potential of losing their income. They're dealing with the lockdown just as everybody is and, and the isolation. They're dealing with the global Weltschmerz of, you know, angst and everything that's going on. So they need to, the self-care comes in very, very much for parents, especially. And it is also up to parents to set the example. Exactly. You know, if you are sitting around doing nothing, if you are, you know, the first thing you do when you get home is open a drink instead of come and sit and spend time with your with your kids or your partner. You know, if you are showing that you are taking care of yourself, that's going to help you get your kids to do the same. Mm. But if you mm. are not taking care of yourself, then... Yeah, there's not brushing your hair when you get get up, not having that that shower until maybe three four o'clock in the afternoon, if if at all. Yeah, staying I mean, in your pajamas the whole day. Well, I was speaking at middle of last year ish, actually about August, with one of my adolescent patients and um, their mother, and mom was quite happily telling me about how they yeah no they wake up and then. You know, they'll start work, the, the school work at like 10, 11, and they're in their pajamas all day. And I said, okay, but how is that putting yourself in a frame of mind to it's now time to work? Mm. Pajamas are relax, sleep, do nothing. Yes. It is not work. And, you know, part of the problem with that teenager was that her mood was low. Um, she wasn't doing her well at school. She wasn't really doing her schoolwork. She felt she couldn't concentrate. And I said, of course you can't concentrate. You're sitting in your pajamas. Your brain is telling you, you know, you're telling your brain, I should be relaxing now, not I should With be working. a bowl working. of crisps and a soda watching Netflix. Exactly. So the first thing you do is you get up in the morning, you shower, brush your teeth, have breakfast, get dressed. Make your bed. Yeah. But get dressed yeah. into something that is... Um, my old school has, from what I see on what they're posting on Facebook, um, has made a requirement that kids are in their school uniform for homeschooling. So when you are on camera, yes. if you are not on Makes your sense. uniform, yeah. you will get in trouble. You know, so all, you know, they posted every, all the parents taking pictures of their kids at their study desk and everyone was wearing uniform, blazer, everything. And that is, the requirement because you need to be in the frame of mind of I'm now at school. Yeah. So I yeah. think that's a fantastic thing they've done. And it's where I, I things was going that to say wear clothes shoes. You know, if, if you're going to sit and work, wear closed shoes. <laughs> you, you know, instead of being barefoot, which if you're slopping around home or in your slums mm. or that sort of thing, if you wear a proper pair of shoes, it immediately changes your perception that things are hap happening. But I think a uniform is a great idea. Yeah. You know. I mean, we. It, I, I was speaking to a, a friend of mine who's the principal of a small independent school, and they had a problem with one of their teachers who was teaching online from her bed in her pajamas. Oh, no. I mean, you know, okay, that didn't last very long, obviously, but but I mean, where is that mindset coming from? 
you know. <laughs> I mean, it was. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I, I'm picturing curlers in there. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was almost that bad. I mean, you know. I mean, a big thing for me was that mentality was extended in lockdown about, well, you know, it's okay to not be normal. And mm. parents thought it was okay for their kids to stay up till two, three in the morning, wake up at 10, 11, and start trying to do schoolwork at one o'clock in the afternoon. And it's okay because uh, there's no set time. So that they'll get, no, your kid must go to bed at an appropriate time. They must wake up at yep. an appropriate time. Teenagers need more sleep than most. It's a very intensive time for the body and the brain. They need sleep. And if they're playing games till three in the morning. Exactly. And sleep is nighttime sleep, proper yes. nighttime sleep. Because otherwise, daytime sleep does not um, rest you as, as, as well. Your brain produces cortisol mm. um, with blue light. Um, look outside. What you see is blue. Yeah, yeah. Um, and cortisol is a stress hormone. Um, on the other hand, melatonin, which is what calms the brain, um, is triggered by red light. Um, so, yes, Chris, you're absolutely right. Sleeping during the day, even in a darkened room, mm. um, you will be producing low levels of cortisol. Mm -hmm. um, so it's not restful sleep. And not only that, if you're not sleeping, the same part of your brain that creates melatonin, that drug to calm the chemical to calm you down to get you to sleep, the same part of your brain creates serotonin, which is one of our mood neurotransmitters. Yeah. So our, it, our brains switch from creating one to the other, you know, during the day at during at evening at sunset because of the red light as you said mark it triggers okay now it's time to create melatonin to get you to sleep then once you're asleep and well you know mm. your brain feels rested then it switches in the morning to create serotonin and if you are being up all night your brain is trying to pump melatonin to try and get you to sleep and then you're not you're producing serotonin for like two three hours of the day in the afternoon when by the time you've woken up instead of you know the 12 hours it should be doing it which is also a factor can i ask a, a, a question on facebook i've got a there's a group of people and and i'm sort of part of it talking about covid insomnia i don't know if you've heard heard the term mm -mm. and and it it's Amongst a, a group of mainly people, sort of around middle-aged people, let, let's say, who are having trouble sleeping at night. They go to sleep for an hour or two, but then in the, in the middle section of their sleep, when they should be sleeping, mm. are waking up and not able to go back to, to sleep. And I mean, they've coined the term COVID insomnia, but it's, it's, it's become a very real thing. And it is only since we've been in lockdown. Um, how do we combat that? Because, I mean, I, I know that if I wake up, God forbid, if I wake up, I'm, I'm awake for two, three hours at a, at a time in the middle of the night. Yeah. This might be a there's, – there's a couple of reasons why we wake up in the middle of the night. One of them is sometimes because the brain is starved of nutrients. Um, the brain 
can only use two forms of energy, glucose and ketones. Right. So ketones is the better form of energy for the brain. Um, but most of us try and feed the brain through glucose. And that yeah. glucose lasts for about half an hour. And then you know what, you go to sleep and in the middle of the night, and this is usually about one or two o'clock in the morning, the brain is starved of food. That's, this is when your brain is most active. And that's also happens to be slap bang in, you know, the lightest part of our sleep in one of our sleep cycles. Yeah. Mm. Because we go to bed at about nine, ten, and our first sleep cycle of going into deep sleep and then back up into very light sleep lasts about three, four hours. Yeah, that's exactly where I woke up last night. Um, and then, you know what, something as, as simple as having a glass of milk mm. by your bed and as you wake up, uh, drinking the milk and turning around and going back to sleep yes. helps because the brain then realizes, oh, energy is on its way. Uh, you know what? Uh, I don't have to wake up every system to go, to to go, go and go and find the. food. So that that is definitely one thing. Um, you know what? Eating something before you go to sleep. For me, it's a, it's a bag of chocolates. Uh, for most <laughs> other people, it will be a piece of cheese. For me, it's an apple. I I have an apple last thing at night. And generally that, I mean, I mean it's, it's not every night that I don't sleep, but I, but I find if I don't have it, that's when I wake up. So that's actually very, very interesting. Yeah. Then the other thing is anxiety. Mm. Anxiety will wake you up again at the end of one of your sleep cycles. Because that's when your brain starts actually working again. And if you are, so I, I like to conceptualize it in a slightly different way. With regards to thinking, right? When you are going to when you are going to bed, you are supposed to be doing two things to get yourself to sleep. That is, calm your mind, relax your body. Yeah. You take those two boxes, you'll get to sleep. And the problem why a lot of people suffer what we call initial insomnia, which is paying to get to sleep in the first place, is they lie in bed thinking. Right. And when you're thinking, you're often thinking in a very anxious mind frame if you're overthinking like that and when we get anxious our body tenses up so now you've crossed the boxes to get to sleep not tick them same thing when we wake up at one two in the morning if you wake up and start going oh my god i'm awake again i'm not gonna get to sleep you've started thinking and now you've started stressing your body's tensed up your mind's now started running you're not going to get back to sleep so like you said mark being able to wake up Go, okay, I'm awake. Drink your milk. Close eyes. It's sleep time. Mm. Push mm. any thoughts aside because it's not appropriate to be thinking then. Push them aside and go back to sleep. And it's a skill. I, it, it is, it's, it's a learned skill. It's a learned skill, 100%. But what if you want to know if a centipede does have needs? Knees. You know, well, I, I mean, because that's the sort of thing you think about. Yes. You know, so but then have, you get up out of. This is the thing. You do not lie in bed rolling around. If you can't go back to sleep, get up, get out of your bed. So 
you need to start your sleep routine. I have a lot of patients that come into my office and they complain about sleep. And Daniel, I think you will agree with us. Sleep hygiene is incredibly important. Massively important. You touched on it. Most people don't even know what it is. Mm. You touched on it um, when you said um, you cannot be sitting in your pajamas. Um, because the pajamas is a signal to the brain that sleep time is coming. Yes. And I, I let my patients do the routine of no matter what time you go to bed, whether it's nine o'clock or four o'clock in the morning, mm. you do the same thing every night. You and go and put out so long the as cat. It's healthy. Yes, you go put out the cat, you have your glass of milk, you have your shower, you take your tablets, and if you do that routinely, the next thing is, okay, now you're going to bed. If you wake up in the middle of the night and you can't sleep, the worst thing for you to do is to lie in bed thinking about, I can't go to sleep, I need to sleep, tomorrow's a difficult day. Get up, go and do something, start the routine over. That's a very Resignal thing, yes. the brain that, okay, we're going to go to sleep again. Um, calming the brain is, I think, what is at the moment the most difficult thing for most of us. Mm. Um, I have a very easy solution to that. People go onto their phones and mm-hmm. check a message or whatever. This Worst is something that do. provides new information and gets to your the brain. brain. Thinking. Yeah. And new information needs to be processed. And not only that, suddenly you've got your cell phone flooding your brain with blue light, which wakes Absolutely. it up. Absolutely. So for me, and try this, this works. Get an old storybook, not a magazine, not the book that you're reading, an old storybook. For me, it's Harry Potter. Okay. I, I, you know what? I, I've seen the movies so many times. I've read the books over and over again. Um, I'm trying to reread them because I get to page one and I fall asleep. Why? You know the story. Yeah. You know what's There's going no to happen. Yeah. There's not uh, what happens on the next page. Who's the killer or what did he do next? Mm-hmm. It's I know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. What you do with the, the slow movement of your eyes, it's a repetitive movement exactly. which calms the brain. The fact that there's no new information that the brain has to assimilate immediately takes you into a alpha rhythm. Is, am I right? Yes. Better alpha, alpha rhythm? Yeah. So, you know, it calms the brain. Read the old storybook. Right. And you will go back to sleep. It, you can't read uh, Times Magazine or Forbes. You're not impressing anyone in any case. No one can see you. They're <laughs> no, sleeping. Because that's the only time you read them, right? Uh, absolutely. In, in the airport, everybody thinks you're very important. Um, so, you know, an old storybook. Yeah. And I just want to sort of touch again on the thing of um, sleep hygiene and creating a healthy nighttime ritual. And that's what I find in teenagers they don't do. Yes. You know, where they're lying in bed and they're playing games or on their cell phone. And then they want to try and get to sleep. And that doesn't work. And they give themselves five minutes and, oh, I can't sleep. And then they're on their cell phones again. Yeah. You know? And one of the big things that I tell all my patients and their parents is 
cell phone is not next to the bed. Ideally, a cell phone should be in another room. Right. Or at the far end of the of the room, on charge not there. E- not in easy reach. No, there, no there's, there's enough evidence to show that the electromagnetic fields around phones disturb brain brain function. Yeah. So kids need to also be taught, and I think a lot of adults need to be taught about, like you were saying, Mark, a good bedtime ritual of healthy sleep hygiene, of when you. Yeah, whether it's your shower or for me, it's washing my face. Mm. But everything you do at a slow pace, getting your body and your brain ready for sleep. Because so if you're rushing here, rushing there, can I need to do this, put the dog up, put the cat out. Quickly long, pack the dishwasher, long, turn it on, do this. Da, da, da. stressing when your I, body. When I started out. in private practice, now, oh God, this is so many years ago. Um, Chris, you'll remember him, Dr. Christian Geldenes. Oh, Ian Chris, Geldenes. Yeah. Most of the listeners uh, in, in the Johannesburg yeah, he was area amazing, will, amazing will remember him. Mm. Um, now, I was fortunate enough to, to work in a practice with Ian, and he wrote the book Sleep Smart. Um, and the sleep hygiene is so much more than just the ritual. Mm. It's a dark room. Uh, in 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 the book, it's no TV in the bedroom. For me, it's just that's yeah, something that I step too far. No, that's something I would change because David Attenborough and Animal Planet puts me to sleep like that nothing voice. else <laughs> can. Again, because I've seen every one of them. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's no new information that I'm taking in. Well, it essentially becomes white noise. It's exactly that. Um, I close my eyes. I, I don't w- look at the program. I listen. Uh, I'm gone. Yeah. yeah. Um, so a cool environment. Now, at the moment, if you don't have an aircon in your bedroom, uh, sorry for you. But, you know, it's, it's summer. It's very difficult. Fan, which is amazing. First of all, it keeps the muzzies away. But second of all, it's quite it's a noise. noise. It's, it's quite a noise. It becomes white noise. And it's yeah. total white noise. And yeah. um, I've just moved into a new apartment, which is in a noisier environment than I'm used to. And first couple of nights struggled sleeping. Then I turned the fan on one night. And then suddenly I had this white noise and it was there. It's fantastic. And also what I did last night, because I was tossing and turning for 10 minutes. I'm like, why can't I get sleep? Oh, because I'm boiling hot. Yes. I went and got a small towel, made it damp, put it over myself, and with the fan blowing on that, suddenly I was cold, mm. which I much better get to sleep in the cold than the hot. So then yeah. I fell asleep within minutes. We fall asleep that. beautifully with hypothermia. So, I mean, that's <laughs> 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 it's one of the reasons I never go and visit my brother. Um, they live in the hell. Um, and you know it. I don't know how those people do it. Um, heat is heat's a killer. So, oh, yeah. what else do we do to help combat depression? How, we need to prevent this. It's a, it's around us. How well, do we if steal you look at your ourselves? Facebook, if you look at your Facebook at the moment, well, my Facebook, in the last ten days, there's probably been three suicides. Mm. Of people that you just w- wouldn't sus- suspect. People I knew. Three three suicides in the last ten days since since we went into the second bout of lockdown. Well, Chris, not even in the second bout of lockdown. After our first big wave, yeah. the suicide numbers were bigger than the COVID death numbers. Yes, 
Yes. And somehow That's you know, this was this was not a big thing and mm. actually it's a massive thing. Yeah. I yeah. did not know that. Yeah. Look, I haven't looked I, at the numbers for this year. I haven't been brave enough. I actually mm, think and it's 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 unfortunately scary to say this. We have not yet seen the worst, not from COVID. Um, we're still going to face wave number three. Uh, our winter is still coming. Yeah. Mm. Um, and we haven't fully, if even remotely, Felt the financial fallout from COVID yet? Oh no! I mean, that's th- this is a long-term problem, uh, and and it's going to get tougher and tougher. I mean, I just been told yesterday we have to expect it might just be a once-off tax that that we're all going to have to pay for the vaccine. There's, they're going to up our tax for a, a once-off. That's the one thing. The other thing is, can we carry on working in whatever industry we're in? Can we do? You know, it's all of it's all of that, and it's only going to get worse and worse. People weathered and are stretched after a year of lockdown. Mm. They have no um, resources resources left, physical or financial resources. Physical, you know? emotional, yeah, mental. all of that. Yeah. yeah. So we know that. What do we do now? Yeah. How, how, do, how, what exactly? What do we do now? What, what are our steps? What can we do now? And so I'm going to go back to where I started. Good. Make sure your self care is where it should be. Cause if that's not there, you're right. setting yourself up to get depressed, to get anxious, to not cope. If you are Keeping your self-care up, you are making sure you're sleeping, you're exercising, you're eating, you're socializing in as much as we can nowadays. You are taking care of your physical health. You are taking care of your psychological health. If you are doing that, you are going to protect yourself. Mm-hmm. It's not doesn't mean you won't, but it means you're more, more likely to get less severely or actually protect yourself from getting depressed or anxious. And same with our teenagers. We need, and as parents, they need to make sure that their kids are doing their self-care. And the structure. 100%. Structured self-care is important, as important as structured learning, structured day. And parents, do not assume your adolescent boy has showered. (laughs) I actually find that it's I suppose... With with my you, patients in a in a room, I tend to smell the boys more, yeah, but and I have yeah, no issue calling them out on that. That's a hormone thing. No, no. Have when I call them out on it, they oh no! Gone. Well, I haven't showered in four days. Yeah, like, um, uh, that explains. Have it. have you ever gone on a sports tour with a group of boys and girls of the same age? You think boys are messy? Oh no, girls God, are as messy. Girls are. Ten times worse. Okay, so let, let's take away that. Parents, make sure you don't your assume your child has showered yeah. and brushed their teeth, and you need to make, check that. Yeah. Because they chance are they won't. And if you ask them, they'll go, yeah, or they just won't tell you, and you're assuming. That's part of their self-care. Make sure that they're doing that. Make sure they're eating. Yeah. Make sure they're going to bed on time. If you need to turn off the modem so that there's no internet, so that they can't be on their phones, they can't be playing Fortnite till three in idea. the morning. Not a bad idea. 
And you, you're asleep. You're the, you don't you're the need. Parent. Yeah, you don't need the internet at two in the morning. No, I think parents should turn the, the, the modems off for themselves. So, yeah, yeah. 99% of my patients are c- complaining about fatigue and mental exhaustion because they're working until all hours. Mm. Mm. Um, but working think- from home has taken away... You're working um, twice as hard. Absolutely, oh. because there's no break oh. that you're having. So turn off the modem. Actually, yeah. you know, networks should be turned off. But I tell my adult patients the same thing. What time would you normally leave work? Mm. Uh, half past four. Great. Half past four. Finish work. You t- close your computer. Yeah. You do not reply to that last email. You do not finish that <clears> off <throat> because that's not what you would do at work. You would go home and you would get to work at 7.30 the next day and that's when you would do it. And so that's what you must do now. And that's part of that structure and routine for everyone. So it's so important. I mean, one of the things I suffered from depression for many years and and I, I recognize it. But one of the things that helped me get out of that was I get out of bed and before I do anything, I make my bed Mm. because then I can't go back to it. Because I don't oh want to God, make it. No, I, I don't want to make it lying twice. on a freshly made bed. <laughs> but I make my, and then there's the ro- getting up routine, which is just as important as the going to bed yes. routine. So I do my getting up routine, and then I'm up for the day. Yes, you know I might have the mid morning nap if that if, if the opportunity arises. Yeah, come on, guys, we must finish up. It's time. <laughs> but <laughs> I, I'm I'm looking at my watch, and Chris, I'm going to interject. Very quickly Daniel um, n- The biggest population in, in South Africa Are black Now If you ask African people About depression You get the answer What? Mm-hmm. African people do not get depressed we, They don't get depressed And this is absolutely Incorrect Totally yeah. Yeah. Um, what do we do to get this message across to our listeners that, you know, it, identify this in yourself if you're of color? This is yeah. not this is not a disease of uh, white people. No. This is a disease of the planet. Mm. It, it absolutely does not discriminate between race, culture, male, female, creed, anything. It, the research is very, very clear on that. No matter who you are, you stand the exact same risk of get developing a depression in your lifetime as anyone else. And also there's this, I think, not only... I find that the stigma is very, very slowly disappearing, but it is. But it's still the uninformed, the uneducated opinions about depression Mm. you know when i've got a patient in hospital at the moment who tells me that their father uh, doesn't believe in depression it's not a thing and that's why i premise the whole thing is with it's a neurological illness you know there's so many people i think that still think it's a weakness that Anxious or depressed people are oh, something are you weak. can snap out of, and and the worst thing you can do to somebody is, is get over it. Just just get over, get over yourself. Come on. Stop so it. I, I like to give the analogy of it's like trying to run your car with no oil and no petrol. You right. know, you can maybe put in a bit of petrol now and then, but 
your engine's not going to work properly with no oil. And it's going to seize. And it's eventually going to seize. Mm. So, you know, and that's how we try and help explain medication and that to people who are, are why you're on medication. Well, because this is the oil for your car. So let's, yeah. let's, we have a couple of minutes left. Um, let's talk about medication. Um, most of, most of medication for uh, depression, anxiety are prescription medication. Are yeah. there things that we can take in the form of supplementation that's freely available to all of us? There is um, quite a bit of supplementation um, over the counter, not even over the counter on the shelves at Discam. Um, medication, obviously, it doesn't have the empirical research and backing of. You know what? I, I, Chris, my, my favorite saying is if you take something off a shelf, read the label, and it would say, this can, this might, mm. this uh, could, uh, you know what? I may be a green alien in a green tutu. You would never know. Um, so, yeah, but, uh, but what, I th- what I is what is there that we know that works? The B, the Bs, Shirley. Yeah. If, if you take your vitamin Bs, your vitamin Bs, your omegas, and um, your Bs, Ds, and Cs, I think are the are the, are the mm-hmm. important, right? especially Ds at the moment, because yeah. it's also shown to be very um, important with regards to battling COVID. If you get it, yeah. Um, so vitamin D is a misnomer. Vitamin D is actually a hormone. It acts yeah. more like a hormone than it acts like a vitamin. Yeah. It's something that we never knew. And, you know, it for such a long period of time, vitamin D has fallen by the wayside. Um, we realize just how important vitamin D is in brain functioning. Yeah. Um, more so than vitamin C and vitamin oh, yeah. B, uh, because it almost acts as a neurotransmitter. Absolutely. Yeah. So it would be things like that. It would be things like if you're feeling a bit anxious, rescue remedy, which is you know on the homeopathic, yeah. and um, lots of people use it and find that it helps them. Something like St John's Wort, which is another homeopathic thing for mood. You know, so there are things out there. It doesn't need to be. Mm. You know, prescription medication, but for some healthy people, healthy diet, uh, lots mm. of fruit, lots of vegetables, lots of antioxidants, fresh exercise, air. sleep, fabulous. Dan, this leads us beautifully into when we bring you back next time because we're going to be talking about anxiety, and I think I think that will be our next topic that we that we discuss with you is is anxiety. Super guys, we run out of time as usual. So <laughs> yes. Thank you so much. It's been wonderful. We will see you next week. Dr. Mark. Daniel, thanks. Uh, Chris, uh, stay safe. Masks up. Um, not shields up. Masks up. Yes. Um, hands to yourself. Uh, sanitize and um, stay positive. Try. Yeah, absolutely. Dan, thank you so much. And we'll see you soon. That's Dr. Uh, not Dr. That's Daniel Greensay. <laughs> yes. Slate clinical psychologist and the lovely Dr. Mark. Thank you so much. And we will be back next week. This has been the Tea Health Show with Dr. Mark and Chris Avon Smith, sponsored by the Tea Clinic. For more information, contact admin at theteaclinic.com.